and he does basketball. Um, thank you, Ken Bergor, for that. He actually sent that to Chuck, who sent it to me. And I love what he said. He said, I want to be a fountain. I don't want to be a drain. This is a tough week to prepare for. I tried to beg out of it, honestly. I said, Chuck, are you sure the people don't need to hear your voice today? He said, no, no, brother, you got it. And I appreciate, I, I mean, we laugh, and I, but I appreciate that, that confidence. So today, we, I don't want to rehash who you voted for necessarily. We're all tired over the last few months and the last few years. Probably all of us have been involved to some extent in some type of argument on Facebook. We've probably all had fingers pointed at us and called names that we didn't enjoy or didn't like, no matter who we voted for. And some of us just kept our mouths shut because we didn't want people to know who we were voting for. I am not that guy, by the way. Um, but some people didn't even want to admit who they were voting for because they just didn't want to deal with the fallout of it. And that's okay, too. You are the light of the world. You are salt. You are called to impact the light of others. You are the representatives of Christ to this world and to this nation. Our nation right now is badly divided. There's a lot of opinions swirling around. There's a lot of names being called right now. And that's what I want to address today. Because we, we're the church. And we have to rise above that stuff. And this morning, I'm going to give you permission to be a little Pentecostal if you want to be. And if you want to throw out an amen every here and then, here and now, I am not going to be upset by that. I encourage you to do that. Absolutely. So right now we have a nation that's upset, right? We've got some of us who are extremely happy about who's voted into office. We've got a lot of people who are very upset about who got voted into office. This has been one of the most contentious election times. It, it's got to be the most contentious election time in my lifetime. It was terrible. There was $4.4 billion spent on this presidential campaign. You couldn't get away from it. You were buried. You were immersed in this, saturated, basting in it over the last few months. Right now we know there's thousands of people daily marching the street protesting the choice of the people who to put in the Oval Office. There are reports from all over the nation of acts of racism and bigotry and violence taking place. And some of those stories are heartbreaking. There are people out there rioting and they're, vi they're being violent. And if they're doing that, that's wrong. And they need to be arrested if they're, if they're stopping emergency vehicles from getting where they need to be, if they're blocking roads. There's nothing wrong with peaceful protest. And so this morning we have to be very careful as we're going to move forward. And I feel like I have to be very careful as I talk this morning. The truth is, for a lot of people, things don't look real good right now. And we dare not ignore their pain. Their pain must be our pain. See, what we want to do is we want to fall into these, into these groups where we go, you know what? If you voted for Trump, you can't be a Christian. 
If you voted for Trump, you're a bigot, you're a racist, and you know those voices are out there, and those voices, that's wrong. That's not fair. That's not true. And then you've got people who are saying, well, if you voted for Hillary, if you didn't vote for Trump, you don't love America. You're following, you're trying to enforce the corrupt political system, and you're just a bunch of whiny baby millennial liberals who don't want to take accountability for anything. That's wrong. And that should not be happening here in this room amongst each other. Because boys and girls, men and women, we are the body of Christ. And we can't give in to these things. And it's so easy. I fall into it. I have my own set of political values, of course. And I, like I said, I'm not, sh I'm not shy about sharing these things. And that's okay for me to have my own political values. It's okay for you to have your own political values. That's okay. But when that starts to divide us as the body of Christ, that cannot happen. Because we have a nation out there that is very wounded and grieving. Now, some of us are really happy, and we're like, I don't understand what the problem is. The man God wanted was put into office, and everyone needs to just get over it and unite, and everything should be okay. I understand that perspective, and there's some truth to that perspective. We do need to unify. And there's other people who are like, everything is going crazy. I'm going to have all my rights taken away. I'm not going to be able to live the life I want to live because of this guy they put in the office. I understand that viewpoint too, and there's some validity there. When we get into danger is when we start looking at each other and say, stop feeling the way I'm not feeling, because you should be feeling how I feel. When has that ever worked for you, for anyone? We need to look at the people across the divide. And we have divisions even politically in this church, and that's okay that we didn't all vote for the same person. It'd be weird if we did. But we have to look at the people who voted differently than us we should not be ashamed to talk about who we voted for. We should not have to keep that private because we fear uprising or people tormenting us or commenting on us or what, who we voted for. We've got to get over that stuff, guys. So today, I, I don't want to dive too deep into all the election stuff, but we have to address this stuff. I want to talk about unity because guess what? We have division, but we know who bridges division. We know who can bring two sides together, don't we? We have the answer. Who is the answer? Yeah, come on. You know the answer. This is not a trick question. We have the answer. Who is the answer? I want to hear you say that louder. Who is the answer? Thank you. I appreciate that. We are still the church. We are Christ's representatives of this hurting, confused world. We will not be overcome with evil, but we will overcome evil with good. And that's hard sometimes. It's easier to just go with that flow. Whatever group you're in, it's just easier to go with that flow, point that finger at the other side and say, well, they're all messed up. They need to start thinking like we do. Stop being all emotional about who got elected. No, guys, feelings are for feeling. So how are we going to respond if you're happy about the results of the election and you, Tuesday night, you were the happiest camper out there and you did your little happy dance and you said, that's right, the pollsters got it all wrong and you were excited about that, there, some of you, I know you don't know this yet, but you need to open your eyes what's happening out there. 
there has been an incredible uprising of violence and hatred and bigotry. It's like people are coming out of the closets right now saying, oh, I finally have a chance. We have the right to make America white again. Dear God, no. God, please no. And unfortunately, a lot of people lump the Christian church with that. And that is so wrong. That's not who we are. I know you people. I know so many of you. You're good, solid people. I love you guys. I've journeyed with you guys, for many of you, for years. Some of you not so long, but I know that you are awesome people who have good hearts. But we can't. We can't be calling people who voted for Trump these racist bigots. That's wrong. You can't lump everyone together. And if you didn't, if you voted the other side or for Gary Johnson or Jill Stein or Hillary, you can't give in to fear and despair right now. You can't just give in to the cynicism and say, I'm done with America. I'm just going to say this. This is my opinion. Can we please not say he's not my president? Because we got people who are really ticked when people said that about Obama. He's not my president. And now people are saying it about Trump. And now you're upset they're saying it about Trump when you were the ones who were saying it about Obama. That's hypocrisy. It doesn't mean you have to like who's in the office. I get that. But he is the person who is in the office right now. And if we don't unify, if we don't come together, especially here in the church, it's going to tear us apart. And the things that tear apart the world should not be the things that tear apart the body of Christ. So, we know who our leader is. We know who's in charge of us, and that is our primary citizenship, is the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdoms of the world. Our head is Christ. Our head is Jesus Christ. It never has been, never will be a political leader. See, I think actually, when we get rid of the rhetoric, when we let the emotions die down, I think we all want the same thing. I think that we all, we all agree we want to bring people to Jesus. Is that fair? Is that true? We all want to bring people to Jesus. We all want to be like Jesus. We all want to love like Jesus. And we all love people. I know you guys love people. And I know you care about them. So I want the people that I talked to earlier, I hope you could come up now, because we need a reminder. I just want to hit the scriptures a minute where our answer lies. And I just want us to think about, and I want us to remember who's in charge. So we're going to hear from a lot of different voices today. We've heard from Ernie Johnson and Ken and Ian and myself. But I've asked some people to just read some scriptures. And just, you know, take your time reading through these. And we'll just pause after each one. And I just want you to either sit with your eyes closed and quiet, quiet contemplation and think about what these verses mean. Carol? This is Psalm 46, 8 through 10. Attention all. See the marvels of God. He plants flowers and trees all over the earth, bears war from pole to pole, breaks all the weapons across his knee. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. 
Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 1 Chronicles 29.11 Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear, for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. Keep you in my hand. Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Psalm 22.8 says, For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Matthew 6.34 Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. You can leave. Unless you want to stay up there and be my backup singers. You put that in the front view for me. Thanks, guys. It's a funny little cartoon. I, uh, I'll make a confession. I actually don't make my own PowerPoints because I'm not that uh, techie. Uh, Carol made this PowerPoint for me. Thank you, Carol. And uh, she found this cartoon, which I thought was funny. Um, the doctor's talking to Jesus, and he says, So, Jesus, your checkup reveals that from the neck up you're perfect, but your body has lots of issues. We are called to be one. We are called to be unified. We are called to love each other, love each other the way the Trinity, the Godhead, loves each other. And when we love each other the way that the Godhead loves each other, that's when people will know and will actually believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And like I said, we need Jesus now more than ever. We need him very, very badly. Unity doesn't mean we always agree with each other. It's okay that there's times where we're on other sides of different issues and we need to be able to have healthy conversations. I need the viewpoints that some of you have because I live in my own little bubble. I was talking to John this morning about how, and Ian about how sometimes we live in this bubble and we just we don't sometimes realize what's happening outside of our bubble. And I need good friends in my life who will go, Dave, no. You're kind of not quite seeing the whole picture here. And so we can't throw away those who disagree with us, even when they make us angry sometimes. And I know, especially in instances like we've been going through the last few months and weeks and even the last couple of years, we've had a lot of people make us angry if you're engaged or involved at all. So, like, you think about the body of Christ, right? We're all the body, and I think it's interesting to think about, you know, what body part you might be. Um, but so there are times, if we're the body of Christ, there are times that my body doesn't even agree with itself. 
There's times that my stomach doesn't like the decisions my brain made to feed it. It's a nice little place called Taco Bell. You may have heard of it. Um, habanero burrito. Brain thought that was a good idea. Stomach was like, this is the bad idea. You should not have done this. So my body was at war with each other. There are times my body's upset because I smashed my little toe into something. And my whole body's like, why do you have to hurt so much? My goodness, you're such a little small piece of my body. And now the whole body's upset because my little toe got injured. And there are times my heart aches by the words that come out of my mouth. So unity isn't always about agreeing. Unity is not about agreeing at all. So the point of agree, the point of unity is this. The point of unity is that we all love each other so much that we accept each other right where we are. And we love each other enough to journey with each other as we become more to move and be like Christ. In short, the point of unity again is to love others the way Jesus loved us. And again, it's hard. You can't do that on an island. You can't do that when you're isolated. We have to be together in this, even when we don't agree. So we take the love that Jesus has lavished on us, and we get that right in, among the church, and we continue to work on unity and becoming one. And then we take that love, and as best we can, we bring it to the world. And again, the world has never needed it more. If we realize that our true citizenship is with the kingdom of God, then we must realize is that our allegiances to any other kingdom are secondary. We cannot, I know this church, I know you people, we cannot, we will not allow secondary issues to distract us from the primary issues, right? We cannot, we will not allow secondary issues to distract us from what is primary, correct? All right, thank you. You know, the funny thing is, we've been set up for this right now that's happening in America right now. This division, this divide, this anger on both sides. This, it's not an accident that the last few months we have been talking about who we are at Solomon's Porch. If you've been journeying with us, I think Chuck's done a great job of laying it out. And I know he's put a lot of thought, a lot of prayer, a lot of conversation, a lot of voices making the, the mission and the message of who Solomon's Porch Church is, right? And I'm excited because I'm not excited about the pain of the world, but I'm excited that we have something to offer them to take away and to bring unity and to take away their pain. We have Jesus to offer them. And my goodness, how badly do the people need Jesus right now? The people who are terrified again. I mean, there's stories of people painting swastikas on walls and going up, people going up to Muslim people and saying, take off, I think it's called a hijab, and if you take it off, I'm going to strangle you with it, and I'll burn you with it. There's people who are like, does this mean that we're all going to have to leave because we weren't born here? This is happening, and it's horrible. And a lot of people want to lump the Christian church and say, you're all like that. It's wrong. We cannot ignore what's happening. Right? We cannot put our heads in the sand because unfortunately the church has been doing that for too many years. And we have this balm. We have this healing power in us 
to go, but we've got to start getting it right in the church more and more because the more we get it right here, the more effective we'll be when we go outside these walls. But as I love that Chuck defined who we are because we've been doing great things for years, but as we continue to move forward, now that we have some clarity, we can do even better and greater things. But again, we can't do that if we're allowing all these secondary issues to divide us. Chuck has talked about the last few weeks about you've got the absolutes and then you've got convictions and then you've got preferences. Convictions, preferences are secondary issues to the absolutes. And I know that we combine. I know that we are focused. I know that we're together on the absolutes. So when I think about community, the community we already are, because we do a good job of this. You guys do a great job of this in so many ways of being unified. And I'm not trying to say that we're bad at it. I think we are very good at it, but we have true, real battles we need to fight against. So I want to tell you about a story. I was thinking about this sermon, and I wanted to tell you a story that you've heard before, but I want to tell it my own way, the way I like to tell stories. You see, this story is told in Matthew 9, Mark 2, and Luke 5. And in this story, we find that there's a group of five men. They're friends. For how long? We don't know. But we do know that these men were devoted to each other. And at some point, one of these men, they become paralyzed. We don't know how long the men has been like this. We don't know what happened to him. But we don't need to know because that's not the point of the story. It's not about what happened to the man. It's about his friends. It's about what friends do for one another. It's about community. You know, I wonder, I wonder you got this group of five guys, and I wonder who had the idea first. They heard that Jesus was in Capernaum where they lived. And one of them had this idea, we need to take our buddy to Jesus. And he got the other guys on board, right? He gets talking to them. He's like, we need to get this guy on a mat. We need to go bring him to Jesus. I heard he's teaching not too far away. We just need to get this guy to Jesus and see if Jesus can do something for him. So they put him on a mat, and they proceed to carry him to Jesus. Now, I wonder weird things when I read Bible stories. I wonder about the details, because I love the details. So I wonder, like, well, I wonder how far they carried him. You know? Have you ever, who's ever carried something really heavy for a long distance? It's not fun. Xavier has done it. It's not fun, is it, Xavier? Not at all. So after a while, you get tired. Your hands get sore. So I wonder, I just think these guys, because you've got guys here. You've got five guys. They should make a burger place. Five guys. Sorry, uh, I get distracted. Um, <laughs> that's not in my notes. But they got these five guys. And I wonder if they're teasing him as they're walking along. Like, dude, why are you so heavy? My goodness, you know, I think, you know, we might drop you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I can just see these guys doing this, you know, kind of messing around with each other as they're bringing them to Jesus. So however long they carry them, I'm sure their hands are getting sore. It's, he's getting heavy. They're giving him a hard time. And then they see the crowd. And they're like, oh, we're almost there. And then they're like, oh, look at all those people. And one of the texts, there were multitudes. And they're like, oh, man, this is not going to be easy as we thought. So they're like, now what do we do? And I can almost hear their conversations with each other. And one of the friends, and there's always one of these guys in the group, says, I told you this was a dumb idea. I told you we should have done this. This is never going to work. I told you. And they're like, oh, shucks, be quiet. And they've got to be like, look at all these people. Where did they come from? I wonder if they thought of giving up and turning around. Sorry, buddy. We did everything we could. There's just too many people. 
And then one of them decides, probably the guy who thought of the idea in the first place, is we're not going back. And he's probably like, you know, are you kidding? I'm not carrying this guy all the way back home. We've got to keep going. So as they're looking at what to do, they notice that the roof, like pretty much all the roofs in that area at that time, were flat. Do you know what? I got an idea. Let's take this guy up on the roof. So there's probably stairs. Again, Carol did some uh, archaeological research for me and found that there's usually stairs for a lot of those homes. So can you imagine, again, detail. You don't, they don't say about this in the Bible. But can you imagine strapping this guy down like, hey, buddy, we're going to carry you up the stairs now. Would you feel good about that? So this guy's probably like, guys, come on, be careful. Why, why are you taking me on the roof? How is that going to help? Jesus is in the room. He's not on the, he's not on the roof. It's like the guy's like, trust me, trust me, we're going to be okay. So they get up on the roof, and I have to, I just have this picture in my head of this room is full of people. And Jesus is teaching. And people know that Jesus, something's going on with this guy. And it's pretty cool. People have been healed, and there's all types of rumors and talk. So they want to see. People from all over the area have come to gather and, and, and to listen to Jesus. And so there's room is full of people, so full there's people even outside. They're probably wondering, why is that guy, why are they carrying that guy on the roof on a mat? That's weird. Oh, well, I'm going to listen to Jesus. And so they're sitting there listening, maybe asking questions, maybe dialoguing. And all of a sudden they hear this noise on the roof. Thump. That was weird. Jesus probably just keeps teaching. And all of a sudden they hear this scraping noise from the ceiling. What in the world? And then all of a sudden, light appears. Shaft of light appears down into the room. And dust and dirt start trickling down, captured in the sunlight. People are going, what is going on here? And you got to realize, we read the story, and it's like, oh, these guys took this guy up to the roof, they, they dug through the roof, and they lowered this guy down. That doesn't happen in two seconds. That doesn't happen as long as it takes you to read this passage. They're digging into this roof that probably had tiles and then had um, reeds and mud on top of it and dirt. So they're trying to pull away and... I imagine there were probably other people there to be healed as well by Jesus. These guys should just wait their turn. But no, that's not what they have in mind. They will stop at nothing to get their friend in front of Jesus. So as they're tearing apart this, this roof, and then the other thought I thought is, somebody owns this house. <laughs> Why, are, Dude, what are you doing? Why are you ripping apart my roof? I have to fix that. I'm sure he's not real happy about that, but they keep digging. They keep removing tiles. So then the other thing is, does Jesus just stop talking? Does he wait and go, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Just hold on, it'll be good. You know, what is, what is his response? And then the lowering of the guy down, right? They got these ropes, and it was a fishing village, so they probably had plenty of rope around. They're lowering this guy down. These guys, again, the guy's probably tense, like, guys, don't drop me. And they'll be like, it's okay. If we drop you, he'll be able to heal you anyway. So even if you get hurt from that, it's going to be okay. So even if we mess it up, Jesus can still heal you from that too. So they lower this guy down, and he's lowered right in front of Jesus. And then I think, well, what does the guy say? How's everyone doing? Here to be healed. Sorry to interrupt. But Jesus looks at him. And he forgives the man's sins. That was what was most important. And then, of course, he 
had him walk. So th- some of you might be thinking, oh, well, that's, that's, that's nice, Dave. That's, kind of, that's just a good story, but what does that have to do with any of this? This is what we do as community, okay? This is what we do when we have unity. So the bigger question is, who are our friends? We can look at each other. We can look at the people in our lives and say, well, those are my friends, Dave. Of course, I know who my friends are. There's this other little story in the New Testament. It's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I won't get into the details right now. You guys know the story. Guy comes to Jesus and says, Master, what must I do to have eternal life? And he says, well, what does the law say? He says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you've answered wisely. Just go do that. The guy says, well, who's my neighbor? I think he's trying to get out of it. Well, who's my, who do I really have to be nice to here? And Jesus tells this story about a Jewish man who is walking and who gets beaten up. And he's left for dead in this remote area. A priest walks by, not going to help you. Levite walks by, not going to help you. Samaritan walks by, what can I do for you? In normal circumstances, the Samaritan would have been the villain of this story, not the hero. Jesus flipped the whole thing on its head, which what he loves to do with us is flip everything on its head. Take all our emotions and all the things we think are right, all the things we want to do, and we're so right. And he flips it all on his head and says, no, 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 no. You don't get it. He says to the man, he says, who was his neighbor? And he says, well, the man who helped him. Yeah. Those people rioting? Those people who are hurting, the people who are scared that they're going to get thrown out of the country and they're not going to be able to live the life they want to live, they're your neighbor. The people who voted for Trump, the people you want to call a bigot, the people you want to call are hateful, they don't have anything good in them, they don't understand the kingdom of God, they're not Christians, they're your neighbor. We need to put it away, guys. We've got to remember primary calling, body of Christ. See, that's love. And I know, I know you guys love each other. I know you love people outside this community. I know we are not going to continue to allow these things to divide us. We can't. Because if we do, it invalidates who we say we are and who we say we follow. Does that make sense? I'd like the worship team to come up right now. You guys can make your way up. And after a minute, I'm going to have, after the worship team plays a song, we're going to have Chuck come up. And he's going to talk to us for a little bit as well. So I'm reminded of the great theologian Spider-Man who said, with great power comes great responsibility. We have a great responsibility right now. You, 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 you have direct access to the throne of God. We can and have to and must and I believe will make a difference. We've got to move past our political hangover. Because now is the time to band together stronger than ever. We can do this, Solomon's Porch. 
It is time to continue to grow in our friendships and partnerships with each other. We will not be distracted of the issues of the kingdom of the earth because we choose to fix our eyes on the kingdom of God. That would be a good time to say amen. I'm going to do that again because it would be more fun that way. We will not be distracted by the issues of the kingdom of this earth because we choose to fix our eyes on the kingdom of God. We choose to journey together even when we disagree because love and grace, it covers all that. Brothers and sisters, you may be seated. I know this is not normal protocol when we do our blessing, but um, thought as your lead pastor, I need to say a few things this morning. It's It's been a long couple of years, which culminated this last week. And, uh, you know, one of the fascinating things about being a pastor is you put sermon series together and you're trying to listen to God and you never quite understand the timeliness of sermon series and over those last few weeks that we've been having conversations about unity not realizing it was going to be very important when something would happen in our political system as Dave said and I want to thank him so much um, I was trying to be on vacation and uh, Dave was going to do the heavy lifting for me and I thought you know I, I, I need to say something this morning and in this conversation he set this up really well, and so this is not me trying to conclude his sermon because he did a great job, but it's for me to give you some words, some words of encouragement, some words of hope. You see, what's hard for some of us in our congregation, we're trying to figure out what's the problem? Why are people upset? I mean, look at what happened. Look at the decisions that were made. Shouldn't we be all excited and happy because of who's going to be the next president? And what's hard is those of you who are really excited right now have to go back in time about eight years. And these statements about this is not my president and we're going in a horrible way. And you know what? When a member of Congress or Senate gets up and says, you know what we're going to do for the next four to eight years? We're going to do everything we can to make sure this does not occur. We're going to fight this president. And then all of a sudden the group that's in power now says, we got to come together. we got to give the guy a chance. And this group goes, whoa, buddy. What do you mean? That seems kind of hypocritical. So what do you do when you're angry and frustrated and you cry out and wonder what's going on? And we, What are we going to do and respond as a community? You know what I would love for the church to do? You see, we always want to give an answer possibly to the wrong questions. We need to listen. We need to listen to one another and we need, we need to listen to those who are on the outside. There are people who are really really afraid right now. And you may wonder, why are they afraid? Because the rhetoric in this political season was dark and negative and full of fear. And now you have an individual in power who may enact some of those things. I don't know if you realize this, we have a ministry in our basement that reaches out to children from Guatemala families. You're helping them try to learn how to read and to have a chance within this country and to maybe break out of poverty and They've got relatives, family members, who now may be shipped home to their, another country. And they came here trying to give their children a chance. 
We have African-American men and women now who are seeing signs and images that scare them to death because people feel empowered now because our guy got in. We need to listen, and we need to listen to one another. You see, what's hard is because someone voted for Hillary, they're not a baby killer. You see, there are values, and both sides had very important values that they were hanging on to in making this decision. Because you voted for one, you're not a racist by de facto. But the problem is there are people who simply want the freedom to kill unborn children. And there are people who want to do horrible things to other people as well. And they want to ship people out. That's why there's so much fear that's going on. We as a church need to be unified and we need to be listening to one another. We need to listen to those who do not have power, who do not have a voice. We need to be a part of the solution. That's what the church should be about. Well, it's not only do we need to listen, we need to love. We need to love one another and we need to love the other. I love the use of the Good Samaritan. That's a strange and powerful story because it's about an individual who breaks down all kinds of racial issues, religious issues, and reaches out to someone he shouldn't have been reaching out to. You see, that's our call. We don't have to believe all the same things. We've got to love one another, and we've got to learn to love the other. And then finally, we need to lead. You see, that's an important part of Dave's message this morning. Yes, we are unified. Yes, we have this common set of values. We have this sense that the scriptures laid the foundation for what we're supposed to go after. But you know what? We just can't sit in these walls. We have to do something. We have to take this mission and message of Jesus, the kingdom of God message, and we need to proclaim it, we need to model it, and we need to show this to people within the church and outside. You see what's really hard right now? Because a large block within the Christian community voted a particular way, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but there is a perception. The Christian community is in trouble with itself right now. We have to unify together. We have to love one another. We need to lead and move forward together and do it in such a way that we grasp one another's arms. We move forward. We see those who have no voice. We see those who are afraid and we let them know, you know what? We're going to love you. We don't have to believe all the same things. You may not even come to believe in Jesus, but we know what we want you to know is that you are loved by Jesus, whether you love him or not. You are loved by his church, whether you love us or not. And may we model that love for one another. Would all of you please stand? The reminder, we want you to be a part of this wonderful Thanksgiving experience. You've got all kinds of things that we can uh, list that are out there on the table. Grab those lists, go to Meyer. Come back here. Let's worship and celebrate together that we continue to be the feet and hand of Jesus. The kingdom of God isn't simply an idea. It's a reality. And we want to allow the kingdom reality to be a blessing to people in this church and outside of the church as we come closer and closer to Thanksgiving. So the blessing is this. Brothers and sisters, may you have ears to hear. To hear the words of Jesus 
to hear the words of God, the words of the Spirit, and may you have ears to hear the stories of those who are around you who are not like you, who may not be the same skin color, who may not have the same experiences with God, but you're a listener and you ask powerful, powerful questions and you don't feel the need to respond. May God give you the courage to love, to love the other, to reach out to them, to step into situations where you might normally be afraid, but you know that God is trying to do something and to bring his kingdom into reality. And may we lead. May we listen to God's spirit in such a way that we are a voice and an example that draw people into this powerful and wonderful kingdom. I'm releasing you. Let's go bless some families. We'll see you in a little bit.